Come on. Scott, are you ready? George, I am ready. I like it. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Lightblood Engage. This is George G. Our guest today is Scott Miller. He is the Executive Vice President of Thought Leadership for Franklin Covey. He's a keynote speaker, a number one best-selling author, a podcast host. He's the creator of Ignite Your Genius Career Coaching and the Mess to Success book series. His most recent book is Master Mentors, 30 Transformative, Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. Welcome, Scott. George, thank you. Delighted to be here. Thank you for the spotlight. Yeah, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, so I live in Salt Lake City, Utah with my wife, Stephanie, and our three young sons that are 7, 9, and 11. So if you happen to hear or see a flyby, that's pretty common <laughs> days. They're around this morning. Uh, like you said, I have a 25-year associate with the Franklin Covey Company. I host what is now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast. Uh, I write a column for Inc. Magazine every week. I'm writing and speaking frequently. I host a, a book club on bookclub.com. Most of my time is spent corralling these three young men and trying to turn them into gentlemen in an otherwise not so gentlemanly world. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. So 11, 9, and 7 working to create gentlemen and create leaders out of them. Is it harder, do you think, to create leaders out of your own kids or strangers, Scott? Oh, probably strangers because I'm able to inculcate in these three young men the values that we want, how we treat people. They see us treating people. It's probably harder it's probably harder, um, more challenging in terms of always being the model, right? Dr. Covey, our co-founder, used to say, be a light, not a judge, be a model, not a critic. So with a stranger, you're not always on camera, so to speak, with your children, you're always on camera. So maybe it's more challenging for me, but I think it's more impactful for them to be able to see how I respond to things and how I react, hopefully, hopefully in the right way most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So... I, I am I'm a passionate mentor. I, I recognize how important having a positive role model and a positive mentor can help people along the way. What was the motivation for for the book? Well, so as I mentioned, like you, I'm privileged to host a large podcast. It ours hits about seven million people each Tuesday. And like you, I'm honored to interview a wide variety of great guests, celebrities, CEOs, best-selling authors, business titans. And after the first hundred or so episodes, George, I realized there's so much great nuggets. There's so many great insights here, oftentimes shared off camera, right? Before we went on the interview or just when we went off. So I teamed with HarperCollins and wrote this book, Master Mentors, where I picked 30 of our first guests, not the first 30, but 30 of our first hundred guests, and with their permission, wrote a single transformative insight that they shared on or off the podcast. And I expanded on it in a broader book because I think everyone needs a mentor. Everyone should be a mentor. And I define mentorship a bit differently. I don't think you have to formalize it. I think you can, like me, have many mentors you've never met before. I have lots of mentors who don't even know I'm alive. I follow their <laughs> podcast or I read their books. I hear them speak on stages and I absorb their information voraciously and try to apply it into my life. So I wanted this book to provide access to these 30 people from all different walks of life 
to help transform people's own lives perhaps differently by mentoring them through hopefully what is a funny, swift, and easy read. Nice. I appreciate that. I think that that's a cool idea that just because I may never meet this person and perhaps this person's not even alive <laughs> or maybe I, they maybe they weren't even a real person ever, that it doesn't mean that I can't take extremely important lessons and um, and, 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 and apply those in my life. So tell me a little bit about what, when, when I open the book, I'm obviously going to be hearing stories about these people, but what are you hoping it does? Is it like a, a, a recipe? Yeah. Is, 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 is it a playbook? Yeah. Yes. And yes, I think it's going to be a different book for every different reader. It's fairly episodic. In fact, it's why George, one of my first publishers, who's a very big champion of mine passed on it. They thought it was too episodic. They hmm. wanted it to all be about golf or all be about leadership or have some kind of red thread. And I said, I don't want to do that. I actually want it to be different for each person, for each reader. So in one chapter, I interview a world-renowned neuroscientist and psychiatrist. In another, I interview another famous marketing expert or a branding expert or someone who perhaps I can challenge you on your identity or your emotional intelligence. So it's meant to hit different people differently. What I wanted to do is transform people's lives. These ideas are oftentimes quite simple, but as Dr. Covey, the author of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People would say, common knowledge isn't common practice. Actually, I think Voltaire said that, but what Dr. Covey said was to know but not to do is not to know. So I hope that readers find this book to hit them exactly where they are, whether they're just coming out of a relationship, whether they're a new parent or Perhaps they're a new leader of people. Perhaps they're a new entrepreneur or have a side hustle or they've lost someone dear to them in the pandemic or they've had a setback. Perhaps they're gearing up for a leap forward. This book is going to, I think, change your mindset, change your skill set and help you develop a new tool set to take on the new um, the new world that is that we're living in post-pandemic. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I think it sounds great when, when, when uh, you reflect back on getting turned down by the first company you brought it to what 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 sort of do you feel about that or think about that i yeah i uh i bruise hard but i heal fast <laughs> like really fast and so i i don't see I, rejection kind of isn't even the thing i associate with i just move on like you're lost I, i'm kind of one of those just barely arrogant enough guys to say well you're lost i mean you'll regret that because this is going to be chicken soup for the soul the fact of the matter is I'm writing 10 volumes. So volume two comes out next year, 2022, with 30 new people. And I'm now writing volume three. So they're going to miss out on a 10-volume series that's going to be externally successful. So I do like the phrase, sometimes a disappointment turns into an appointment. So immediately when I face something that is challenging to me, I pivot to say, okay, so that's not going to happen. Now what? That's not going to happen. What do I do with these extra 500 hours that I have with my time because I didn't get this TV program or this radio program? I don't tend to see failure as anything in my life. I see challenge as opportunity. Okay, that's not going to happen. So now what? And I pivot sometimes too fast, but generally very fast. Challenge as opportunity, and then when things don't go the way that you wanted necessarily, it's an opportunity to, to, to turn it into something that you do want. Daily, right? I mean, it happens multiple times a day. 
especially I find the more I want something, the less likely it is to happen. Now I'm a pretty, you know, I'm pretty in control of my life, but one of my early leaders at the Franklin Covey company taught me the harder you hold on to metaphorically in your fist, the tighter you crush a little bird, not literally, but metaphorically, the more you're going to crush it, the more you open it and release it, it may fly, but it also may come back to you. So if I'm trying to advocate for something to happen, whether it be on my behalf or even on someone else's behalf, I've learned to try to insist a little less, to market it a little bit less. I pull back a little bit. I have to know when to play big and when to play small, right? And when to use all my chits and when to hold back a little bit so I don't seem too anxious or too eager. Because sometimes it isn't the right decision. I think it's right for me. And in fact, someone else saves me from myself. That's a great mentor is someone that can see ahead of you a little bit and say, you know what? I'm not sure this is the right thing for you. Let's ask some more questions and talk about it. That is a letting things come to me, Scott. That's something that, that, that when I would hear that, I'm like, no, I, I just, I run through walls. I am doer of things, you know? So that, that's so hard for me. And if I'm being honest, it's still something that, that it's not the easiest thing. I think it sort of, I don't know if it goes against my nature, but it certainly goes away, goes against the first 40 years of my life, give or take. I can completely relate. We have, we share that personality trait. I'm a very productive, active person. I get things done. If I want it, I go and I get it. I don't take it from you. I just go build it, right? I, I, I love turning nothing into something. And as I have matured and perhaps aged, I'm older than you, I have realized that just because you want something doesn't mean you should have it or it's the right timing for you. Or sometimes there is value in waiting or even a deprivation to really get clear on, is that the right thing for me? Is there have perhaps something better for me? Not so much a thing, but an opportunity, a relationship, a partnership, an alliance, a client. Um, I kind of feel like oftentimes if it's meant to be, it'll, it'll happen. Hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you can just like, you know, let it go, right? I, I very much create my future, but there's a little bit of serendipity, a little bit of value that comes that I've learned from many of these mentors. Maybe um, don't try less. Just take a breath. Hmm. Let it sit. Cogitate on it. See if it comes your way. And if maybe, you know, watch who else is chasing it. Make sure you're positioned well to, you know, win what you need. But, uh, I am trying a little bit hard. hard. I'm not, I'm, tr I'm, I don't know what the right phrase is, but you get the point, right? It's, I, I, I will outwork anyone. But now I am not trying to voraciously gobble up everything in front of me. I have an abundance mindset. I believe there's enough for everyone. But I'm being more deliberate in the projects that I take on. And the clients that I hire, and the projects that I um, get passionate about. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think th I think that there's a lot of wisdom there. Do you have a Do you have a a process or practice a habit of when you get an an opportunity or you you get an offer? of just, for example, I'm going to wait 24 hours before I actually give somebody an answer, even though you've already made up your mind or something like that? I wish I had a process. That would sound very wise. And sure <laughs> on this. But, I, but I, am, I will tell you, I am a fairly impulsive person. I'm a rather impetuous person. I make decisions sometimes too fast. That has generally served me very well in life. I'm that kind of person. When I go to, uh, on vacation in Europe, 
and I see something in a, in a store, I buy it immediately. I don't shop around for five countries and then get on the plane and wish I'd bought that souvenir, right? My wife will try to get it for, you know, $2 less. Nope. If I see it, I want it, I buy it, right? A, a, a briefcase, $100, <laughs> right? Or a pair of slippers, right? It's sure. not like it's, you know, a car. Although I've done that <laughs> on occasions too. But I am, le- I am trying less to control other people. Here's a good example. I have a fairly a, a sizable opportunity with a client right now. They asked for my proposal on last Friday. I gave it to them. They wanted some rewrites on Monday. I did that. They said the meeting was on Tuesday to make a decision. It is now you know, entering um, a couple of days after that. They told me they would let me know by Friday. So the old me would have been pinging them. How did it go? Do you need more information? How can I help you? I need to gear up. I have other clients I'm saying no to potentially. And now I'm just letting it sit. And I'm kind of ruling it out in my mind. I think it will come my way. But I'm already thinking about other ways in which I might deploy that same energy if they come and say no. Historically, I might have really fixated on it and been focused on it and started even working on it to hit the ground running only to perhaps be disappointed if it didn't come in. And now I've kind of just ruled it out. I think it will come in, but I'm not even going to think about it. I'm really not even thinking about it for these next two or three days. If it comes, it comes. It doesn't, it doesn't. And I will find an I, uh, a appointment to do something else if, in fact, this turns out to be a disappointment. I think probably it's also because I have an increased confidence level in my skills and in my books and writing and projects. My experience, someone else will find that value, likely even um, better at perhaps a higher rate. I'm calling that way a little bit. You'd think at 53, I would have learned this earlier, but it's just now kind of coming to me. Well, it's fascinating, right? It's, you know, it's like being able to find uh, uh, find the right mentor, the right teacher. When somebody's ready for it, then, 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 then it shows up. Or when you're ready to actually change the way that you behave in a certain situation, then, then you probably find that, that some of these things come to you. In fact, that's the book, right? It's all these mentors, these 30 minds have had some significant influence on me. Seth Godin, Dan Pink, Liz Wiseman, Stephanie McMahon, um, uh, Stedman Graham. Stedman Graham's a great example, right? He's a well-known author and entrepreneur, uh, known to many as the 30-year life partner to Oprah Winfrey. I mean, can you imagine creating your identity outside of, quote, being married? Hmm maybe not legally, but in life to Oprah Winfrey. And these these mentors have taught me, like Seth Godin is a good example, very famous marketer, friend of mine. He taught me the difference, George, between being fearless and being reckless. And I spent much of my life masquerading as being fearless, when in fact I was often being reckless with my own brand, my own reputation, fearless with my comments about your appearance or your competence, when in fact I was being reckless with your feelings, hmm. with your emotions. And it's kind of pithy, light things like that to ask yourself, am I being fearless or am I being reckless? General McChrystal, four-star army general, of course, who led the American um, invasion into Afghanistan. I write about him being on the right side of history with some other issues in his life. In fact, a picture of Robert E. Lee that his wife had given him. And so I ask myself now all the time, am I on the right side of history as it relates to my voting? The election, the pandemic, the vaccine, my parenting, my books. Um, I write a whole chapter about gratitude. 
which is a word often we use all the time. But I interview someone, a famous man who has no arms and no legs. His name is Nick Vujicic. He has no arms and no legs. And you have not met, you've not experienced gratitude until you are in Nick's physical presence and realize how reflexively, how subconsciously you reach for water and scratch your hair and put your glasses on. The book is like that. It's sort of chicken soup for the leadership soul. Uh, you can pick up a chapter and read chapter 14 and then go to 22 and go back to 2. I wrote it very fast, very easy, very breezy, three or four pages per chapter. could read one a night for 30 days. And I think one of these, if not many of these, will hit you in a special spot that could transform a relationship, a decision, a mindset you have in your life. Yeah, I, I th- I, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to read it. And I think that, that what a wonderful thing to, to be able to take a step and step inside these people's worlds just just briefly to learn from from what they've gone through and just talking about the people you just highlighted uh what what wonderful uh diversity and just uh so much so so much to learn so so 10 more 10 more books in the series do you love writing or is it this is i i I really need to block the time Uh, tell me a little bit about that I don't love writing, but I don't dislike it. Uh, I, you know, I have 25 years at the Franklin Covey Company, four years at the Walt Disney Company before that. So near, now a 30-year career where I spent a lot of time writing corporate communication, right? Mm-hmm. Press releases and <clears throat> web copy and, and all kinds of business correspondence for in a report. So I've been writing my entire life, more kind of corporate writing, business writing. About four years ago, I started writing a weekly blog on LinkedIn where I have several hundred of them now. I write a blog every week now for the for the podcast. I write a column for Inc. Magazine. So I've started to write in uh, this direction. I've published three other best-selling books that are that are very, fairly funny and witty. I tend to be a very kind of raw writer. I write what's on my mind. I write like I speak. Not everyone does that for good or bad. Uh, I do block time every morning when I'm writing a book. I write from 4 to 5 a.m., every day, seven days a week until the book is done. That's when I write. And it takes a lot of discipline. But then um, I usually can write about a chapter in about 90 minutes. I usually get it metaphorically, to use a football term, to about the five-yard line. I then send it to my editor, ghostwriter, and it's a he, he. And he usually takes it to the end zone. Sometimes it's on the one-yard line. Sometimes he kicks it back to the 20-yard line because it sucks. And it says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're thinking about, but it's the wrong story, Scott. And here's what I think you want to consider. So he oftentimes you know, kicks the ball back to the other team's end zone. And I got to run it all the way back. So, uh, But I, I don't dread it. And I also don't punish myself. I'm on chapter three, right? And it's, you know. Matthew McConaughey, and I'm writing about Matthew McConaughey, and it's not coming to me. I don't guilt myself. I just stop, and I skip to four or skip to 12 and write about somebody else. But then I think about Matthew McConaughey, was an interviewee on The Guest, and he'll be in one of the books. I think about him for a couple of days, and then it comes to me, and I write about it later on. So I'm willing to have my writing style kind of follow my creativity and not force it. I don't really have writer's block. I did have writer's block one time for about three or four weeks. I just couldn't get clarity on it one day, one, one kind of month almost, and then I broke free of it. But to answer your question, I don't dislike it, and I am disciplined around how and when I write. 
I love it. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, Scott, people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You know, of all the things that I learned from the famed Dr. Stephen R. Covey, who wrote, of course, the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Well, while I was the chief marketing officer talking to the press weekly for years, they often wanted to interview me about his famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Efficient People. I always correct them. No, 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 no. He wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. They sound similar, but being efficient and being effective are highly different terms. Uh, one is not better than the other. They're just different. You can tell I'm a fairly productive, active person. I'm a very efficient person. It is the hallmark of my success in my career. I get stuff done probably faster than most people do. The problem is, George, is when I try to move that efficiency mindset into my relationships mm. because you cannot be efficient with people. You can only be effective. So for those listeners or viewers that can relate to my sense of productivity and always on the move and kind of checking things off and moving things on, that's a great skill. Use that with unloading the dishwasher and mowing your lawn and taking your kids to soccer and some email and social media. But be very mindful, be very cognizant that you, you cannot be efficient with people. You need to slow down and be really almost pragmatic around flipping out of an efficiency mindset and moving into an effectiveness mindset. What does that look like and feel like differently to both you and the other person? To quote Dr. Covey with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. So know when to be efficient and know when to be effective. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets a come on. Come on. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and engage with you and where can they get a copy of Master Mentors? So Master Mentors is now a uh, number one new release on Amazon. You can buy it on all your favorite book retail sites, including all of your favorite book stores. It's everywhere. Uh, you can visit me at scottjeffreymiller.com where all my books, columns, podcasts, blogs are held and also connect to me on every social media platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. I am there. Love to have you connect, follow, and, uh, and, uh, and connect with me. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Master Mentors, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. Wherever you buy your books, go to scottjeffreymiller.com. Check out all the great stuff he's working on. Read his ink column, read his LinkedIn blog, and find him on all the social media, even TikTok. I love it. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you, George. Thanks for the spotlight. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.